0: It is Thursday, December 15th, everybody. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu.
1: And I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to.
1: All right, let's get to the headlines. We've got a lot of them. Put a fork in it. Inflation is done. Or is it? The Fed raised interest rates again and said that it's going to be a long road until inflation is really under control. The tragic and shocking death of the DJ and dancer, Stephen Voss, known as Twitch, what we know so far. Georgia's Secretary of State says voters are so done with runoff elections, and now he wants to change the state's election laws. Iran booted from a U.N. council on women. We'll tell you where they just voted to go to four-day school weeks. And the World Cup final is set, Argentina versus France, after Morocco's loss on Wednesday. Mosh, how are you holding up?
0: It was a tough Wednesday afternoon watching the Moroccans go down, uh, Jill, but we'll get to the impact that they have made uh, in this World Cup. They can go home with their heads held high.
1: And Moshe, as they say at the Oscars, it was an honor to be nominated, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. First, and they were the first African country or Arab country to make the semifinals. Uh, And incidentally, uh, Jill... The World Cup apparently has a consolation game. So they get one more game for third place against the Croatians on Saturday.
1: Always finding the silver lining, Moshe. I I like it. But let's start with our top story here, all about the economy and the Fed's latest move to tame inflation, raising interest rates by half a percentage point at its latest meeting on Wednesday. The rate hike is smaller than the previous four increases. And it comes, as we talked about yesterday, as new economic data shows that inflation is slowing down. However, it is still extremely high. Prices are up 7.1% from a year ago. Things like food, gas, and rent are actually up much more than that. To put this into some perspective, the Fed's target inflation rate is about 2%. So initially, stocks popped on the news of a half percentage point hike, which was as expected. But then. Fed Chair Jerome Powell held his press conference after the announcement and said that while there has been some progress on inflation, there is still a long way to go. So most that economist that we had mentioned earlier this week, he had said, put a fork in it, inflation is done, perhaps getting ahead of himself.
0: You could say that, Jill, uh, though I think the the point is, what's notable, and people uh, made light of this today, is that at this time last year, we were hitting 7% inflation for the first time, and people were like freaking out. And now we're down to 7% inflation from 9%. People are like, oh, inflation's not so bad anymore. Um, what we did get from the Fed is that they expect uh, inflation to start to taper off here. But we're going to see it in 2023. We're going to see it in 2024 above the levels that we saw in previous years. Uh, getting back to the Powell remarks, his press conference after announcing the interest rate hike, uh, a couple of the headlines there, don't expect any rate decreases anytime soon. Uh, so that's the big thing is we're not going to see these interest rates come down, at least not next year. And we may, in fact, see a couple more interest rate hikes. This has a real impact on Americans. We've discussed this. That Federal Reserve interest rate translates to a whole bunch of other interest rates, credit cards, car loans, mortgages, et cetera. And it caps off a really incredible year, Jill, here, where we've seen the interest rates uh, hiked seven times since March from near zero now to just under 4.5%. The expectations in terms of inflation uh, is now for the rate to hit about 5.1% next year. And one last thing I want to note from the press conference, Jill, is that Powell was asked if we can still avoid a recession next year, uh, whether a soft landing, as they call it, is still possible. And he does hold out hope uh, for what it's worth.
1: Let's get a quick status update on where things do stand right now in terms of inflation. Gas prices are down. So gas prices have fallen sharply. The average right now is 321 a gallon nationwide according to AAA that is down from a month ago when it was 377 a gallon and down a whole lot from its record high on June 14th of this year when it was five bucks a gallon that was again a record high um, and even higher in places like California and New York. When it comes to food prices, uh, they were up 0.5 percent month over month, um, and they jumped though 10.6 percent from a year ago. That's real money motion, especially I, I for me, and I imagine a lot of parents out there. You go food shopping, and it's just it's so expensive. You buy four or five things, and and you know all of a sudden you're like fifty bucks, sixty bucks in. Um, I do want to talk a bit about housing. To quote our favorite economics reporter Heather Long. Um, She writes, after the Great Recession, America had a foreclosure crisis. After the pandemic, America had a worse-than-normal rent crisis. Um, And she writes, rent of primary residence is now the highest since 1982. That's all to say that rent is one of those areas where prices are way up.
0: Yeah, that'll be a big story to be watching in 2023. One of the other things we should be looking ahead uh, when it comes to the economy next year is What's going to happen with the job market? The job market has stayed very, very strong, uh, in fact, so strong that that's impacting inflation, wage increases, uh, wages, what they call the price of services, the cost of labor, uh, still high. And that's one of the reasons the uh, Fed here is increasing interest rates further is because of the cost of services, the cost of labor. Uh, They're trying to bring that down. Again, we're playing this really complicated uh, game here where we're trying to bring down inflation. Essentially hurting certain markets, including the job market, but hurting it in a way that doesn't lead to a recession or too much unemployment. And that's the soft landing they're trying to come to by basically playing with interest rates, trying to bring inflation down. uh, It brings wages, it starts to hurt wage increases, which uh, then leads to uh, less price increases. If you have to pay your employees less, you can charge less, right? If you pay them more, you got to charge more. So this is the game of chess, essentially, Jerome Powell and the Fed are playing. Okay,
1: now to a really sad story out of the entertainment world. Stephen Boss, who goes by Twitch, has died at the age of 40. He was a judge, and so you think you could dance, uh, and also the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show. The L.A. County Medical Examiner says that the official cause of his death is suicide, that he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, his wife, Allison Holker, gave a statement to People saying, quote, Stephen lit up every room that he stepped into. He was the backbone of our family, the best husband and father, and an inspiration to his fans. To say he left a legacy would be an understatement, and his positive impact will continue to be felt. Stephen, we love you. We miss you. And I will always save the last dance for you.
0: Yeah, he and his wife, um, Allison met. On uh, So You Think You Can Dance, uh, performing there. And this was really uh, heartbreaking and really hit a lot of folks very hard. I got hundreds of messages yesterday uh, by the people who were really inspired uh, by the posts, just the f- the joyous posts uh, on Instagram in particular over the course of the past couple of years, particularly during the pandemic, uh, during the height of those lockdowns. Ellen DeGeneres put out a statement on Instagram writing, I'm heartbroken. Twitch was pure love and light. He was my family. I loved him with all my heart. I will miss him. Please send your love and support to Allison and his beautiful children. Uh, Boz rose to fame as a contestant on MTV's The Wade Robson Project before becoming a runner-up on Star Search. Remember Star Search? He competed on So You Think You Can Dance back in 08, eventually returned as a judge uh, this year, and then in 2014 joined The Ellen Show as the guest DJ. He became a permanent fixture. I saw some uh, really amazing clips that were uh, circulating yesterday of Ellen telling him that Uh, He was her favorite ever addition to the show, her favorite person. Uh, And you just go through these clips, Jill, on Instagram of he and his wife and the dancing and the joy. And you're just I I think that's what uh, really reinforced the shock to everybody when they found out the cause of death on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, no, um, here's what we do know about his death. He checked into a motel less than one mile from his house in Los Angeles Monday morning. This is according to TMZ. Staffers at the motel said that he did not appear to be in any sort of distress and wasn't visibly upset about anything. But when he missed his checkout on Tuesday, employees went to his room and found his body in the bathroom. Just shocking and so sad.
0: So sad. You know, uh, it, it really goes to show you that you, you never quite know what someone's going through. Um, he and his wife just a couple days ago put out this fun Christmas dance video. They were, you know, decorating the tree and, uh, with their kids uh, and so it just reinforces, I think I was talking about this earlier today with my wife, Alex, where it, you know, you got to check in on everyone in your life, even the people that you think are at the top of everything, right? Cause he had a beautiful family, beautiful life, popular, you know, known by celebrities, television, fame, et cetera. And clearly something was going on. Um, and, um, it was really, really un- unfortunate news to learn. And, and, you know, one of the things that I tried to make a point, of doing on Wednesday on Instagram is just posting the suicide crisis lifeline. And I would suggest everyone does that. It could save a life. Uh, Earlier this year, they established 988, a three-digit number, as the suicide and crisis lifeline. Uh, You can both call it or text it. Again, it's 988 if you know someone in crisis or if you yourself are in crisis.
1: Moshe, I think think you make a great point about checking in on friends, checking in on family, and also that reminder that you don't really know what somebody is going through. Um, you know, and I, especially social media, right? It doesn't give you a, necessarily an accurate portrayal of, of what somebody is going through and, and their state and how they're doing. You know, everyone puts out, for the most part, rosy images on on Instagram mm-hmm. and social media. That doesn't mean that everything is, is going great in their lives.
0: Yeah, and it's also a reminder, everyone, be kind you don't know what people are going through. Be kind to the people around you. Uh, be kind in who you DM, uh, you know, and what you message and what you comment. Uh, and, you know, w- whether it's the uh, barista at your coffee shop or the uh, flight attendant on whatever flight you're taking, you know, you might be stressed out in the moment, but be kind because, uh, especially after the last couple of years, everyone is just dealing with such a, immense amounts of stress these days. Okay, we have a lot more news to get to in this podcast, including our speed read, uh, look at leather headlines from the day, as well as the on this day. But first, I want to thank one of our sponsors this week, Athletic Greens. They are offering a great deal I want to tell Mo News listeners about. Uh, they're a partner that I actually use their product literally every single day. The Athletic Greens AG1 all-in-one vitamin is a must as we try to get through cold, and flu season. I've been using the Athletic Greens AG1 powder for a couple months now. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. The experience is simple, affordable. I'm feeling that extra boost of energy, especially when I used to lag midday. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre- and probiotics to support gut health, and they're constantly using new data to update their formula. Here is the best news: with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit athleticgreens.com slash Mo News to take advantage of this offer. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash Mo News M-O-N-E-W S for this special deal and a chance to really take ownership of your health. Okay, I'm also really excited to tell you about our other big sponsor this week, Bull & Branch Sheets. Let's talk betting. Let's talk a good night's sleep because of how important that is. All the research out there is showing that literally getting a good night's sleep can really have an impact on your health. And Bull & Branch right now is offering an amazing deal to Mo News listeners. They took notice last month to a bunch of posts I was doing over on Instagram on the MoNews account over there about sheets, duvets, etc. And so they are now offering all of you 20% off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code MoNews. My wife, Alex, and I recently got a full set of the Bowl and Branch sheets, a duvet cover included, pillowcases, et cetera, and they get softer with every single wash. We have them in white. We're looking at the uh, mist color now. If you're looking for a gift for yourself or a loved one this holiday season, give the gift of a good night's sleep. We'd literally spend a third of our lives in bed, or at least we're supposed to, with eight hours of sleep a day. So sheets are a very big deal. As you do your holiday shopping, Bowl and Branch is offering you a 30-night worry-free gift guarantee with free shipping and returns on all orders their signature sheets actually come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box so again this is the deal for a limited time 20 percent off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code monews m-o-n-e-w-s over at bullandbranch.com that is bullandbranch.com b-o-l-l-a-n-d-branch b-o-l-l-a-n-d-branch.com promo code monews Now to
1: the speed read from The Washington Post. Georgia Secretary of State calls for an end to runoff elections. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger on Wednesday called on the state legislature to eliminate runoff voting for general elections after another bitter overtime election gripped the state earlier this month. Raffensperger, a Republican, cited the added stress that conducting a runoff election puts on counties and voters. As part of his reasoning, He says whether it is a four-week general election runoff or a nine-week runoff, voters do not want to deal with politics in the middle of their holidays, and it puts significant pressure on our election officials who need to focus on certifying and auditing the election results.
0: Yeah, Raffensperger also made note in his statement that Georgia is one of the only states that always seems to have a runoff, and it is a runoff with some really dark roots. Uh, Jill, I think we've discussed this before, but it came from post-segregationist election laws, which lawmakers admitted at the time in the 1960s were intended to suppress the black vote. So essentially by requiring candidates to get 50.1% of the vote in these runoffs, uh, the thinking from the person who proposed it, a guy named Denmark Groover, you can Google him and see his quotes about why he came up with the system. Uh, He was a huge segregationist, disappointed that uh, blacks were able to really get out there and vote. And so he wanted to move from this plurality vote where whoever got the most vote, no matter what the percent is, to this majority vote above 50%. So minority groups would have a harder time getting their person across the finish line, so to speak. It is sort of ironic and fitting that this would end if this ends now by not one, but two black candidates uh, in the runoff this go around. A reminder that earlier this month, Raphael Warnock defeated Herschel Walker in the runoff. Uh, Warnock had collected the most votes back in the general election, November 8th, but had not hit the 50 percent point leading to this runoff. The same thing happened in 2020 uh, for Warnock. He had to go through it again. Uh, and so ultimately with two runoffs, two straight years, I think Georgia is done here.
1: So what could they do uh, quickly? They could adopt a plurality vote system like most states have in just where the candidate has the most votes wins, whether or not they get the 50% of the vote threshold met, um, or they could also do ranked choice voting. We've seen that a handful of states and municipalities have, have started to do that recently. Okay, from Reuters, Iran was ousted from a United Nations Women's Council on Wednesday for policies contrary to the rights of women and girls. This was a move proposed by the United States after Tehran's brutal crackdown on protests sparked by the death of a young woman in custody. The Commission on the Status of Women meets every year in March and aims to promote gender equality and the empowerment of women. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said Iran's membership was an ugly stain on the commission's credibility. So the U.S. drafted the resolution to remove Iran for the remainder of the 2022 to 2026 term. And Mosh, it seems like it should be a no-brainer. 29 voted in favor, but eight against, and there were 16 abstentions.
0: So, Jill, we should begin by saying that there's a lot of these uh, human rights councils and organizations at the UN, which when you go through their membership, you're like, how could these countries be making statements about these issues? And so it's not surprising that uh, nearly, nearly half, 24 of these countries either voted against this in support of Iran or just abstained, not wanting to upset Iran. Among the other uh, countries that sit on this group, this 45-country group, I guess now 44 countries, uh, Russia – uh, Zimbabwe, Oman, Nigeria, Nicaragua, Kazakhstan. Anyway, countries who have their own human rights issues. So it's not surprising that they voted against this. Um, Iran's UN ambassador, for what it's worth, called the U.S. move illegal, saying the U.S. was being a bully here. Iran was joined by 17 other countries, as well as the Palestinian delegation, arguing against the vote, saying it'll create an unwelcome precedent that'll prevent member states with different cultures, customs, and traditions from contributing Two groups like this. Um, Obviously, given what we've seen unfold over these past few months, I'm not sure uh, you can refer to murdering uh, women and girls and treating them the way they do in Iran as a different culture, custom, or tradition. So it's great, albeit belatedly, to see the world take this action. Though it did lead me to look at the member list of the countries, Jill. You mentioned Afghanistan's on there. Officially, the Taliban's not at the UN, but just no matter what, Uh, afghanistan on this commission determining uh you know human rights for women uh there's another country called eswati it was formerly known as swaziland you might notice swaziland down there uh, border south africa they have a king there who has uh has had up to 15 wives women are considered property in that country eswati votes and sits on this council congo libya oman China, Zimbabwe, countries uh, whole, uh, across the spectrum when it comes to human rights, but in some cases, some of those countries with women's rights, it does show the UN in dire need of reform here. And I did get a lot of notes on Instagram from people who were messaging being like, how could this be? Like, this is the UN. And I'm like, this ain't your grandparents' UN. At this point in the world, more than half the world's countries are ruled by an authoritarian or partially authoritarian leader. The UN is a majority body. So guess who's voting at the UN these days? Guess who's putting themselves on these councils? So that's why you see some of the membership and some of the uh, resolutions you're seeing these days.
1: Now to an update, or should we say a lack of an update on the four students who were killed at the University of Idaho. From CNN, it has now been a month since the gruesome killings of the four University of Idaho students in their off-campus home. Authorities have yet to name a suspect or locate the murder weapon as hundreds of students take final exams before winter break. The students were likely asleep when they were each stabbed multiple times in the early morning hours of November 13th, authorities have said. Some of the victims had defensive wounds. The killings, still enveloped in more questions than answers, shook the small college town of Moscow, Idaho, which had not recorded a murder since 2015. Many residents and victims' loved ones are still on edge, as authorities have kept many details from the public, they say they are just protecting the integrity of the investigation. So far, investigators have received about 6,000 tips in the case.
0: Yeah, here's a statement they put out on Tuesday, Jill. Moscow Police sent a release asking the public, quote, stay focused on the facts released by the police department. Uh, obviously, they've uh, been receiving a lot of um, complaints uh, and questions. And they're just like, listen, we're doing our business right now. They are being assisted by the feds right now. Uh, But it has been a month and people are concerned that they've received very little information. The two surviving roommates, remember, we've talked about them. The police have determined that the two surviving roommates uh, that were sleeping in the same house as the other four who were murdered are not suspects. Uh, They were on the ground floor while the four students who were killed were on the second and third floor of the home. And it's more about what we don't know than what we do know at this point. Jill, as you said, no suspects or even persons of interest have been publicly identified. Their murder weapon has not been located. Uh, The initial 911 call did come from one of the surviving roommate's cell phones. They didn't reveal who made that call. Uh, Last week, they said they were seeking a 2011 to 2013 white Honda Elantra. Uh, They believe was in the immediate area of the crime scene at the time of the killing. They said they thought the driver or passengers in that car may have known something or seen something. They received a whole bunch of tips about that white Elantra. And so right now they're using this tip line. We'll see where they're at, but we're more than a month in, but we're gonna keep tabs on this story.
1: From the New York Post, police officers gave a firsthand account of the brutal assault on Paul Pelosi Wednesday during a preliminary hearing for David DePap, the man accused of pummeling him with a hammer during a bizarre home invasion. A responding officer demonstrated the attack on the husband of outgoing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in front of a California court hammer in hand. San Francisco police officer Kyle Cagney told the court how he and his partner were dispatched to the Pelosi residence for a wellness check around 2.20 a.m. He said his partner knocked and rang the doorbell and saw two men standing by the doorway. Cagney's body camera footage was played for the court. It showed Pelosi answering the door almost immediately. Cagney told the court he saw the two men struggling over the hammer.
0: Yeah, it came in the nick of time. You know, this this story has been subject to a lot of various conspiracy theories out there. Uh, it appears they are now releasing uh, the, the body camera footage, the 911 calls, uh, which hopefully will assuage some of the confusion. Though the police themselves have been holding stuff pretty close to the vest here, but uh, it was notable for what we were actually learning and the fact that the fight was happening about five feet from the door, which makes sense now as to this confusion about who opened the door. One thing that Cagney also uh, discussed, one thing that came up in court on Wednesday was that Pap told officers and medics at the scene that I'm sick of this insane level of lies coming out of Washington. I came here to have a little chat with his wife, referring to Nancy Pelosi. I didn't really want to hurt him, but you know, this was a suicide mission. I'm not going to stand here and do nothing, even if it cost me my life. Apparently Pap. Also told interrogators on the scene of other people he wanted to target his target list. If somehow he made it out of the Pelosi attack alive, he was going to go after California Governor Gavin Newsom, Hunter Biden, the son of the president, and actor Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks?
1: How did he get on this? (laughs) I mean, not to laugh, but why is he getting dragged into this?
0: So Tom Hanks has been dragged into a whole bunch of QAnon right-wing conspiracies the last few years. Uh, He's on the long list of people they allege are pedophiles. Uh, who are part of a secret cabal who run the government. So Tom Hanks has been pulled into this and clearly based on this target list and based on some of the things the pap was saying, uh, Tom Hanks on his target list, poor Tom Hanks. Well, not poor Tom, you know, thankfully wasn't able to get to Tom Hanks, poor Paul Pelosi, uh, who's currently recovering. So based on this evidentiary hearing, the judge determined there is enough evidence to move forward with prosecution, including the charge of attempted murder. The pap is due back in state court on December 28th.
1: From ABC News, a Missouri school board has voted to move its school district to a four-day school week. The 4-day schedule would apply to about 14,000 K through 12 students in independent school district that is a suburban district east of Kansas City. Students in early education programs would be unaffected. The superintendent had previously said that the driving force is to retain and attract staff, especially given recent teacher burnout rates. In fact, just with this being on the table, the district's already seeing a 40% increase in teacher applications. He said the biggest challenge right now is planning for that day. childcare would be offered. The Kansas City Star reports that it has uh, gotten some mixed reactions from parents, staff, and community members. Some are excited to have an extra day off. They feel it could benefit staff and also students' mental health, while also attracting more quality teachers to stay in the district. Others, though, worry about what the shorter week will mean for student achievement, as well as families who cannot afford transportation or childcare or need additional services for their special education students on the fifth day.
0: Yeah, Jill, apparently this is not the only district to do this. And this story caught my attention. So, you know, I was telling you as we were prepping the podcast, I was like, we got we to gotta do this story because clearly this is a, a growing trend across the country. Seeing a bunch of districts in Colorado doing this, Texas doing this, some out of necessity, again, because of staffing. And it's not just teachers bus drivers, um, other uh, staff members, janitors, et cetera. Uh, But teacher retention is a thing here, and that was the most widely cited thing in this move in independence, by the way, hometown of Harry S. Truman, former president, just outside Kansas City. Um, Teacher retention, a huge issue in Missouri. So as we dug deeper here as to why teacher retention, specifically in uh, Missouri, they're having a tough time in Missouri versus other states, which is leading them to moves like this, Missouri currently has the lowest starting teacher wage in the country, Average starting salary, $32,970, under $33,000. Right now, the average starting wage nationally for educators is about $41,000. The average salary, and this is remarkable to read, the average salary for a public elementary or high school teacher in Missouri has decreased by 5% between 1969 and 2020, meaning the salary has gone down over 50-plus years, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. So one of the questions is, how will this work? Well, apparently the district has chosen Monday as the day to no longer hold classes. They will have a Tuesday through Friday schedule. School days will be extended by 40 minutes. That'll ensure the district continues to have the uh, minimum number of required instructional hours. Uh, and with many concerned about child care and lack of instructional time on that fifth day, on, on those Mondays, They have outlined some options. Uh, They will be offering support, tutoring, credit recovery opportunities for students who are uh, testing below grade level. Uh, And so that is where things stand right now in Independence, Missouri. All right, finally, Jill, we end this speed read from this from ESPN, a disappointing headline, if I say so myself. France's win over Morocco sets up the chance for back-to-back World Cup wins. The French national soccer team is on their way to a second consecutive World Cup final appearance after their two to zero win over Morocco on Wednesday. France will now face Argentina in the Sunday finale. Morocco, the first African team and Arab team to ever reach the semi-final stage of the world cup can go home with its head held up high after running France close. We thought they might have a chance in that second half. And then there was that decisive second strike by the French. Uh, incidentally, if you were inside the stadium, apparently the Moroccan players were cheered like heroes Every time they touched the ball, the French counterparts booed and whistled. It was effectively a home game. It could have been played in Casablanca and not Qatar. But that's where things stand as the World Cup is played to completion this weekend.
1: Okay, so Argentina will be chasing its third ever title. The French team is attempting to become the first side to win back-to-back World Cups since Brazil managed to do that about 60 years ago. And the World Cup appears to be somewhat unique here among sports tournaments as they do have a third place game. You mentioned this uh, earlier in the podcast. So the two runner ups, Morocco and Croatia, they will be playing Saturday for those bragging rights ahead of the title match on Sunday. I guess that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think they have a bronze medal uh in the world cup but you sort of have the uh you know you you sort of have the no pressure game uh for those two and should make for uh, some pretty good action we'll see obviously those players would much rather be playing in the uh, championship game on sunday but uh, it should still make for some interesting action All right, Jill, before we go, our On This Day in History, a little over 230 years ago, the first 10 amendments of the U.S. Constitution, we know them as the Bill of Rights, were adopted as a single unit on this day, December 15th, 1791. And then, as always, I have some pop culture history for you. Uh, On December 15th, 1989, 33 years ago today, Jaleel White makes his first appearance as Steve Urkel on Family Matters.
1: Did I do that? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> she hit it everybody if, if if you grew up if you grew up in uh in the 90s uh you remember that catchphrase and just like he was a meme he was famous before there was social media and that was like what you tuned into friday nights on abc uh on tgif fridays right
1: we did not miss it in my house for sure
0: like that uh full house. Full house. what else do we have on that night we had step by step <laughs> uh hanging with Mr. Cooper. You had some some classic shows that like really a niche audience of people in a certain age bracket would remember.
1: Mosh, I remember finding out um, when I was a kid that Michelle Tanner was played by two people, by the Olsen twins. And I remember that just blowing my mind (laughs) at the time.
0: (laughs) I can imagine young Jill getting mind (laughs) blown by that factoid. Uh, Obviously they went on to great fame, probably the most famous TGIF uh, alums of all those shows. All right, and before we go, to musical on this days for you. On this day, December 15th, 1992, 30 years ago today, a young rapper by the name of Dr. Dre releases his debut studio album, The Chronic, featuring a young, then pretty unknown rapper named Snoop Dogg, singing nothing but a G thing.
1: Who would have thought that Snoop Dogg's um, career would be in a place right now where he's doing shows with Martha Stewart? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, could, he is the most surprising. Yeah, he ago. is the most surprising career, I, I think, of a lot of rappers.
0: And doing Olympics commentary where he was like, uh, people were loving his equestrian commentary uh, a couple of years ago during the Olympics. And one other musical on this day, and this has a special a spot in my heart because we played this song on repeat uh, I believe for most of 1996, OMC. Remember them? How bizarre! How bizarre! How bizarre!
1: How bizarre! And they were British,
0: right? Uh, I think he was from New Zealand, uh, so has a you know non-American accent. Uh, the song came out 27 years ago today. With cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. So this is a real real throwback episode to anyone who remembers pop culture between 1990 and 1995, Jill.
1: Check and check, Mosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a big thank you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Follow us, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: Yeah, the the reviews make a difference. Uh, We're loving loving the reviews uh, that I was reading uh, yesterday on Apple. Spotify doesn't let you read the reviews, Jill, but Apple does let you read the reviews, which is great. Uh, But it actually does make a difference and helps the podcast continue to grow and move up the charts. Also, for all things 24 7 coverage, you can follow me over on Instagram on the Mo News Instagram account at M O S H E H. And we will see everyone back here for a special Friday edition tomorrow.
1: Did I do that? All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>